Well, welcome. Shabbat Shalom. And I'm so grateful to be here to, to walk through the Word. What is the Word? That's what we're going to talk about today. The truth. The, what's the Torah? When we say Bible, what's the Bible? What's the Talmud? It's got, what does all that mean? That's, that's our mission in life, at least one of the missions in life, is to kind of talk about that. And I have some great resources that we'll get to, but we're going to pray. And actually, I have a mic today. So as we're talking, I like to, I think it's great when we're, anytime you teach, it's good to be interactive as much as possible. So if you have a comment or a question near the, even near the middle or the end, um, some that I may know the answer or I may not know the answer. I'm really okay with saying, I don't know. I think that's a powerful thing to be able to say that. Because sometimes we try to throw our answers out, and we don't know what we're saying. Anybody ever ask somebody a question, they don't know what they're, okay, I'm just going. It's okay to say, you know, I don't know. That's a great question, and we'll figure that out. Hopefully you can show me so we can learn. Because the whole point is we're here to learn how to walk with our Messiah. Because none of us know it all. If we knew it all, then we would be, we would be God. And guess what? You're not. And I'm not either. So, and the mic is up front on the front seat. So as, if you have a question or a comment, that, that's my cue, that you came to the front and sat down. That means I'm ready to say something. And then you can say a comment or whatever, but that's the mic up there. So, so that would be our thing. So let's pray. Father, I just thank you so much for your word. Thank you for Torah study. Lord, we just, we're grateful to just be able to walk with you, Lord, to draw near to you, Lord, with each other, Lord, in conversation. Lord, to show us how to, to be better people. Lord, to love on you and to love on others around us. Lord, and I give you praise for all that you're going to teach us today. In Yeshua's name, amen. And let's say the blessing, which is on the screen. You can say it with me or you can follow. Um, it's Baruch Atah Adonai Eloheinu Melech HaOlam Ashir Kedeshano B'mitzvotah Vitzivanyu La'asot Bedevrai Torah Blessed art thou, Lord our God, King of the universe, who sanctifies us with thy commandments and commanded us to engross ourselves in the words of the Torah. Amen. And that is a blessing which I think is just beautiful that we get to say. Thank you. We have the power. And this is my first slide. It says, the sun will not set without thy assistance. That comes from the Talmud. And let me read it again. The sun will, will set. I think I read it wrong. What's wrong? I put a knot in there. The sun will set without thy assistance. I think sometimes we have an assumption. It's almost like it's kind of arrogance to think, you know, things are not going to work without me. Anybody ever see that? Sometimes, and I know I can get in that, in that mode because as I told some of y'all, I teach. So I think that, you know, it's not going to work if I'm not there. Well, that's just a lie. You know, we just need to understand that. God's plan is going to go forth whether you're involved or not. We need to be grateful just to be a part of it. I like to think of it as, I know I've said it before, like um, in an airport, you know, the conveyor belt, the one that's walking. Well, we can walk by ourselves and do our best, but it's a whole lot nicer and faster to get on that belt and, and let it move us along a lot faster. You know, and I think that's how it is with God. We can try to do things on our own, but it's so much better to just walk with him. And they just listen to his word, listen to his teaching. I, I just think it's so much, so important. And it's here it says, let's study the Torah. What does that mean? 
I just wanted to go through some definitions of what that really means. What does it mean when we say the Bible? Something else I wanted to point out here. I am not trying to ever, I'm not trying to become Jewish. I think it's great to study Jewish things. I like to, I like to use this as an example. Um, I am often accused at, at work or other places when I'm learning about the Sabbath or learning about the feast. I'm accused of trying to become Jewish. Does anybody else get that sometimes? Maybe you're, you're doing certain things, especially my family. Uh, my dad one time, I hope he's listening. Sometimes he said, it's my, it was my, it's my Jewish son. I said, Dad, I'm not Jewish, okay? Because you know, he's, he's, he's watching me learn and do these different things, but in his mind, it's Jewish stuff. But I'm not trying to be Jewish. I like to respond with this. I like to respond with, I'm not trying to be Jewish. I'm trying to be Godish. Because I want to follow God. If there are some Jewish things that are correlating with following God, then that's what I want to do. But there's some Jewish things that I don't want to do at all. That they're just crazy and out there. I think the rabbis were kind of drunk and when they was writing it out or whatever. Anyway, that was probably bad. But the point is, I think, yes, you agree with that, yes. Sometimes you read some of those sayings, you go, wow, they are really out there. And that's okay. I think we need to be able to honor our thinking enough to know, you know what? I can think for myself enough to hear from God. And sometimes we don't do that. I'm a constructivist at heart. And what that means is, um, as we reflect on our experiences, we construct our own understanding of the world we live in. All of us do that. We, we do that even if we don't say it. We look at experience, this thing happens, A happens, and we go, oh, okay, that's how this happens. It's like we're trying to figure out the, the rules of the world. It's like little kids, the same way. They're trying to figure out, what should I do in this situation? We're the same way. We're just 46 and 45 and 40. We're still trying to figure out the rules. Some of us haven't figured it out yet. We're, we're a work in progress, and that's the whole point. So let's read the scripture. Let's look at um, Ephesians chapter 2. And I actually have some Bibles. I want to actually look at a Bible. That's crazy. Look, opening up a book. I found myself this past week just pausing and actually reading because I have a whole bookshelf in, my, in our basement. And I found myself just stopping, just reading books. You know, just 30 minutes, almost like watching TV for me. So I go down and I read this book for like 30 minutes. And it gives me some insight. And I put that book down. And I go to another book. Because those books, honestly, a lot of them, they're just collecting dust. And they've been down there, at least in my basement. I don't know about your world. Does anybody have books like that? They're just there and you don't want to get rid of them? You know what I'm talking about. Sometimes it's a good idea to just, it really just helps us to get the insight of other people. That's really the whole point. You're learning from someone. Somebody put all this information in a book so we can learn from them on how to live and how to respond in our lives. That's what it's all about. It's not about getting book knowledge because almost anything, at least nowadays, you can use that Dr. Google. Y'all know what Dr. Google is? You can just look it up. But it's good to kind of spend the time and, and just research things. So let's read Ephesians chapter 2. This kind of relates to what I was talking about, the Jewish thing, slash Godish. I want to start on Ephesians 2, verse 11, and I'm going to read it in two versions. It says, wherefore, remember, this is in the um, New King James. It says, wherefore, remember that ye being, time, that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh, that means at one time, and this is talking to someone who is, is not Jewish. 
someone who is, is, is Jewish by birth, they were born, and they're basically from the lineage of Abraham because they've, they've, they're able to follow their roots back, somebody who's born Jewish. I'm talking about their, natu- their um, natural. Uh, let me keep reading. Who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh, flesh by hands. That at that time, you were without Christ. At one time, all of us, when we didn't know the Messiah, we were without Christ. Being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. Strangers from the covenants of promise. Having no hope and without God in the world. That's a horrible place to be at. That's a horrible place to be at. And, but I believe the one thing I wanted to focus on is being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. See, many of us that are believers, and myself for years, I didn't know anything about Jewish anything. I just never knew. I just didn't hear about it before. I think I told you my testimony years ago, the, the first glimpse was when we were at Clarksville Family Bible Church, and there was a guy in the back of the congregation, well, back then it was the back of the church, and he was blowing this horn-looking thing. And the horn-looking thing was the shofar. And that was like my first glimpse into this whole messianic Jewish um, path. I didn't know anything about it. I was clueless. And another glimpse into the, in the, into the path was when um, I was actually teaching. My, Daphne and I were teaching the, um, the children, the elementary age. We were in the, it was called the kid zone. And our motto was, let's zone in to God. We did that every week, and I loved it. But we were teaching a lesson on the feasts. And it just came up in the curriculum. And I didn't know any. I just taught it. I didn't know. I had never heard of it. Like, wow. And some of the kids were asking me great questions, as kids do. You know, kids ask those questions that sometimes we don't have the answer for. Y'all know what I'm talking about. All right. And I said, you know what? They asked me the question, why are we not celebrating the feast now? I said, um, yeah, I, clueless. Be honest, I do not know why we're not celebrating the feast. And again, that's another thing that led me and Daphne on this path to learning about the Jewishness. And I think we need to understand that for people. Because sometimes I think, because we're here, we think almost everybody has our understanding and mindset. Some people are clueless. So we need to be, we need to be um, very uh, empathetic when we're talking to people. Because sometimes people may not want to hear it. They may be ready to hear it. It just depends. But whenever they're ready, when the opportunity arises, we can share with them about Jewishness. But again, like I said, I'm not trying to be Jewish at all. I want to be Godish, if you want to think of it that way, because I want to follow the Messiah, period. That's in the front of my Bible. And I wanted to read this in another version anyway. And, okay, great. Well, never mind. No, I have it. Nope, I thought I had it. It's over there. It's, um, can somebody, it's, the, it's, the, it's that, um, that bag, that black bag. I apologize. It's the, um, yeah. Thanks. I brought all my toys and left them over there. There you go. Thank you. Appreciate it. And I brought in a chumash. And this is the one I, the one that I love to use. And I know a lot of y'all use it too. This is the complete Jewish Bible. And in the front of my complete Jewish Bible, what I was referring to, um, I have here, it says, as we know, we go, truth revealed. That's a big deal to me. It's very simple. But I believe as we see things, as we learn things, we should grow. We should push ourselves. We should constantly talk about it. We should go back and say, Re- revisit this. Why am I celebrating the Sabbath? 
just because I've been doing this all my life? I haven't. You know, some of you have. Some of you have been doing this all your life, and it's just like it's nothing. You know, something I'm going to talk about later. Sometimes we can do something for a certain, for a length of time, and it becomes kind of complacent. It loses its, um, what's a good way to say that? Its significance, or it loses its spark. Do y'all remember, and I have a slide for this. Who remembers this? WWJD. It became a fad, right? But is it very significant? Sure. What would Jesus do? I mean, I think that's a big deal. What would Jesus do if we take it for what it's worth? But when it becomes a fad, when everybody's just doing it because it's just a cool thing to do, and it's, not, it's just no significance to it. And I think that is what has happened to studying the Torah. That is what has happened to studying the Talmud, the Bible, because we take it for granted. It's an awesome thing that we can study the Torah. Do you, and I'm, I'm going to get to it, but there's men like um, William Tinsdale who were burned at the stake because they were trying to translate the scripture into the English tongue. Wow. You know, some of us, we don't even want to do our due diligence and get up and read this beautiful book. But it was, some of them were, and my point is, we can just be so complacent with it that it loses its, its um, passion. You know, we should be, it should be that passionate to us to be able to study the word. You know, and, it's, and sometimes, I'm not saying it's easy, but what we have to do is revisit it. Keep revisiting it so we can revive ourselves, to replenish it so we can develop ourselves. That's the whole point. All right, I want to read Ephesians 2 in the complete Jewish Bible. And if you're just coming in, I did not shrink. I am sitting down. And I, saw I was just trying to be different because I just thought it'd be different. I do this to my students sometimes at school. I'll change something in the room and just to see if they noticed it, just to mess with their brains. I'll move something because I have to work on noticing things. Is anybody the same way? Sometimes it could be right here in my face and I'm not paying attention to it. Like, what are you talking about? It's right, you know, but sometimes we need to kind of sometimes switch things up because we just, you know, we just do the same thing all the time. It's good to be different. Different is good. All right, let's read chapter 2, verse... 11 and 12. And we're going to read the same verse we read from the other one. It says, Therefore, remember your former state, you Gentiles by birth, called the uncircumcised by those who merely because of an operation on their flesh are called the circumcised. At that time had no Messiah. You were estranged from the, nation, the national life of Israel. So that means you were separate, and I can relate to that. And most of you, many of you can as well here. You were foreigners to the covenants embodying God's promise. You were in this world without hope and without God. So again, if somebody is without hope and without God, that is, a, that is a dangerous place to be. It is a very dangerous place. But what if you were without hope and without God and you don't know it? That's even more dangerous. That's why we should have compassion on, on people when they don't know. Because sometimes we almost can get mad at people like, I can't believe you don't know. Well, it, there was one time you didn't know either. So that's why we need to be we need to do our research. We need to study. The scripture says that we need to be ready in season and out of season. And Ephesians says that we need to always walk in wisdom towards those that are without, redeeming the time. How do we redeem the time? It just depends on the moment. Because sometimes it's a time, it might not be where I'm teaching somebody, it might be where we're just hanging out. Great example. Uh, yesterday, literally, at the end of the day, we had a pep rally at school. And I didn't go because some of the kids, they didn't want to go, and they were finishing the test. 
but I had four guys who were asking a lot of questions about God at the end of the day. I didn't, it wasn't a sermon. It wasn't something that I planned. They just came in, they just started talking. And they know if they start talking that I'm looking forward for the answers. So they, they, and they knew that because I try to have that perception that I want you to ask me questions. Because a lot of times kids, I say not just kids, but adults as well, a lot of people are just confused. And we don't even know how to say we're confused. And they need us to help unravel their confusion. That's the whole point. That's why we're here. We help to unravel. And that doesn't mean you're going to know everything exactly the right words to say, because guess what? You're not. I'm not either. We just need to do our due diligence to be there for people and just allow ourselves to be available. And then God will use us in so many different ways. So I wanted to read. I feel like it's show and tell today. This is, um, this is a book called The Everlasting Jew. Um, Rabbi, Rabbi Isaac Lichtenstein. Anybody seen this? First of the Zion? It's beautiful. And this kind of goes with that, that saying I was talking about, I'm not Jewish, I want to be Godish. So I'm going to read this, and I want to relate it to that. This is just the intro. It says, Rabbi Isaac Lichtenstein served as a district rabbi in Hungary when an encounter with the gospel changed his life. He became an outspoken disciple of Yeshua of, of Nazareth, but he remained in his post as district rabbi for several years. Despite pressure from rabbinic authorities, Jewish believers, and Christian leaders, he could not be compelled to renounce Judaism or his devotion to the Torah. So he was a rabbi, and he found the Messiah. And that's our goal. We're here. We want rabbis, Jews, because most of y'all know this, most Jews are not religious. They're just Jew by name. It's almost like my last name is Pharaoh. They're just Pharaohs. They're just all over the place, Pharaoh. They don't know anything. They may know. There are some Jews, many Jews, who are secular. They don't believe in God at all. Matter of fact, they're atheists, which messes up my mind that it's your Messiah and your God and your covenant that, that we're learning about, and you don't even want to have anything to do with it. So let me keep reading. That was a little off topic. All right. Despite pressure from rabbinic authorities, Jewish believers, and Christian leaders, he could not be compelled to renounce Judaism or his devotion to the Torah. See, his integrity, he found the Messiah in the Torah. His integrity said, I'm going to, this is my Messiah. Was he trying to be Christian? No. Just like I'm not trying to be Jewish. He's not trying to be Christian. He just found the Messiah. The same way with me, I found the Messiah, like many of us here as well. Um, uh, Lichtenstein wrote a series of short booklets arguing, arguing, for faith in Yeshua. He compared the teachings of Yeshua with those of the sages and pleaded for acceptance as a Jewish believer and within the Jewish community. His booklets received wide distribution in several languages, and he quickly became one of the most famous Jewish believers of the late 19th century. Today he is regarded as a pioneer of the Messianic Jewish movement. Amen. And again, it's a, it's a movement. It's a big deal for someone who's either a Christian or someone who's not a Christian at all, maybe they're, they're, they're I like to say heathen. Anybody here raised heathen? You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> you, you know what I'm talking about. I'm saying you were raised and you had no faith in your family at all. You just, y'all just raised. Y'all just ate, slept, nothing. Cussed at each other, fight. You know what I'm talking, I'm just being real. That's just the way it is. You know, that's how some families are. Whatever background it is, God is there or we can learn about these things to help better our lives. 
That's what it's all about. It's not about anything else. So if you were Jewish, you're raised heathen, you're raised Christian, God wants us to follow him. That's the whole point. We want to, whatever that means to follow him. And I want to read a little bit else about the Liechtenstein. All right, this is his testimony. It says, that same year, uh, Liechtenstein revealed his convictions to his congregation. Wow, I would love to believe that all over the world, that rabbis are just going to say, you know what? That Jesus or Yeshua is the Messiah. How many of them you think are going to stand up and walk out? How many fights you think are waiting to happen? I wonder how many rabbis, maybe rabbis are listening to us right now, and maybe they found the Messiah, but maybe they're afraid to present it to their congregation. And if you are, be encouraged that Rabbi Lichtenstein has paved the way. Absolutely. Um, like we have our very own, I just thought of this myself, our very own Pastor Huff, who began to do certain teachings about the Sabbath because he was, he was a pastor, and he ended up closing his church because of that. But you know what? That was his integrity. He said, you know what? I can't teach these things anymore because I know the truth. See, that's more important than anything. If you know something to be true, and you teach something completely contrary, you're lying to yourself. You must, that's, that's horrible. Matter of fact, that's a horrible way to live because that's, you're going to be frustrated. You're, gonna be, you're really going to be ready to cuss. I keep throwing the cuss out there. Sorry about that. Anyway, don't cuss. All right, let me keep reading. It happened during one of his, let me read, start over. Lynchstein revealed his convictions to his congregation. It happened during one of his Sabbath day addresses. That particular Sabbath, he was teaching on Yeshua's words about hypocrisy and whitewashed tombs when he felt convicted to be honest with his congregation. He felt convicted. God was speaking to him. His heart overflowed, and he admitted to the congregation that the text from which he was teaching came from the New Testament. And you know, in the, that's obviously a no-go in a synagogue. He confessed that he believed in Yeshua as Israel's true Messiah. The announcement rocked the Jewish community of, I can't say that word, starts with a T, C-A. But his congregation did not force him to step down from his position. The community tolerated the strange views of their respected and beloved rabbi, and many were willing to follow him into discipleship. And that's a good point to stop right there as well. Um, sometimes, even when you find the truth, people will respect you so much because they've seen your life before that they say, you know what, he's probably telling the truth. And that's because he's earned their respect. Sometimes it takes years to earn people respect, in whatever, wherever you are, in your job, in your community here. And that's just the way it is, because people watch you every day or every other day or every week. Because in here, we watch each other, even though we don't say it. But y'all see me every week here at Shabbat doing certain things. We watch each other, and we learn. And you, you, you kind of earn a sense of respect with people. And that's just the way it is. So... Um, others, however, expressed their shock and questioned his sanity. Wow. You see that happening? Some members of the community openly reviled him, revealed, reviled, and, and called for his removal. After the public announcement in 1886, 1886, Lynchstein published his third pamphlet under the title, My Testimony. It began with the words, My testimony for the Messiah is so simple and self-evident that I feel if I were to keep silence, that the very stones would cry out. That's beautiful. Think about our, think about our, um, our country. Think about the words of our Constitution. See, those words were written while there was still slavery. But we had to eventually live up to those words. 
because those words, and it said in our Constitution that those words are self-evident. And they are self-evident because I believe, matter of fact, I know that the truth always wins. That's why we stay on the side of the truth and we keep staying with it. We keep speaking that word, just, just even over our own individual lives. If we're having health issues, we know that the word says that by his stripes we are healed. I am the healed protecting my health, and I need to believe that for the rest of my life. So when something's trying to come on my body, I'm just going to thank God for his healing. Lord, I thank you for your healing. I walk in your healing. I thank you for divine protection for my family. And as we begin to speak these things out and begin, guess what? Our words are going out into the atmosphere, and it's going to happen for us. But if we're not speaking, if we're not saying it, guess what? It's almost like God's like, come on, man. I gave you your word. I gave you the scripture. I gave you the Torah. You're not using it. We need to use it. We got to speak it out ourselves. We can't sit back and wait for something to happen. We do that all the time. I won't even go there. All right, let me keep going. It says, uh, I feel, all right, not unexpectedly, opposition flared up immediately throughout the Jewish community of Austria and Hungary. A flurry of vindictive editorial, ed editorials appeared in Jewish periodicals condemning the rabbi. I could just imagine, all over the place. And I think that's good. Here, here we go. That a rabbi in office should maintain their Christ is the Messiah is a thing unheard of and was not to be endured out with him. Away with him. If he has his convictions, let him keep them. But he cannot remain with us. Those are words that were spoken. In a matter of weeks, the obscure rabbi from T-word, I can't say, achieved many infamy. Achieved infamy. The infamy came with a summons to appear before the head rabbinate and Budapest. And I won't keep reading. But again, this is just something. You should get this book. It's awesome. But it's just great to hear stories of people who they found out something. They got a conviction for it. And they just went with it because of their convictions. And that conviction will change the world. It could be one person. And when that one person gets that conviction, it'll, it'll, it'll change the world. Something I've been praying for, this kind of goes with this theme. I have been praying for revival, but I'm also praying for an awakening. We were talking about that. Me and, I forget her name. But I'm praying that people will awake because I believe there's so many believers, but we just need to be awake to the truth that's on the inside of us. Because his truth is there, we just got to begin to say it. We got to begin to walk. The scripture says that we need to walk in confidence. You need to know your God, not just half know. You know, if somebody comes in the room, I like to, sometimes we're at lunch and somebody comes in, and they're just talking about some crazy stuff that I know that we shouldn't be talking about. I have enough confidence to know that I'm going to try to change that conversation. I'm not going to let you come in the room and talk crazy while I'm there, Right? If you can talk crazy, I'm going to talk about God. You see what I'm saying? So we need to have that type of conviction to know who you are. And if you know who you are, you ain't got to convince nobody. People know. And let me tell you who looks right through it in like five seconds. Kids. Kids will, kids will read you up and down. If you're fake and phony, you, you know what I'm talking about. Because kids will tell you the truth. Sometimes they tell you too much truth. It's like, stop. Too much. Too much. Please. Turn it down, sir. But it's okay. I honestly like that. I like it when they tell me certain things because that helps me adjust. You know, I had, I had somebody tell me, Mr. Farrell, you're moody. I'm like, woo, thanks. It hurt, but you know what? We need that type of truth. We, I love to have people in my face because we need confrontations to grow. Because if we don't have confrontations, we think everything's cool. I'm good. I'm fine. Everything's great. But maybe it's not. Maybe on the inside, you're, you have a lot of things going on. 
And let me get back to my notes. And here's my next question. Is the Bible a trustworthy supernatural book or is it an antiquated collection of folk tales, myths, and lies? Big question. And I, I think in here, I know what, I can't say I know, but I'm pretty sure what most of us are going to say, right? Is it the truth? Because some people believe that it's folk tales, myths, and lies. And that's just the way it is. If you believe it's the truth, I believe all of us have the bottom statement. It's our moral duty to find meaning in life. And I believe it's our moral duty and obligation to follow what God is telling us to do. If I believe it's the truth, if I believe it's the truth, if I'm going to be true to my convictions, I'm going to do what God is telling me to do. If not, I'm being phony. If God says to keep these commandments, guess what I need to do? Keep the commandments. It's really simple. Sometimes we just make it hard. I don't want to do that. Well, what do you, I don't understand you don't want to do. That makes no sense to my brain. Okay? If he said you are to do this, you are to do it. And I know this. I hate to say no, but this was developed as well in the military. If sergeant such and such tells you to do something, you don't go, let me think about it. What? You don't. Okay, push-ups. Uh, or, or some other type of discipline. It's not even a question that you're supposed to do it. You know, I, when, I, when I got out of the military, it was awesome to me to be able to take a day off. And if anybody in the military know what I'm talking about, in the military, at least in the Army, you didn't take a day off. You just went to sick call, you got some medicine, they fix you up, and you go back to work. You don't just call in sick like, I ain't coming to work. That doesn't make any sense. But, you know, at a job, I can just say I'm not going to come in. I just think that's great. It's beautiful. But my point to, to go back to is, if we believe that his word is the truth, we need to follow it, if we're believers. And I believe we have a moral duty to do that. And it has to be personal. If it's not personal, honestly, it's just not going to mean anything. But if, we, if it's not personal and we keep ignoring that truth, it's going to get worse, if that makes sense. It's almost like if you know you're supposed to do something, you keep saying no. You keep saying no. What's going to happen in your mind? It gets bigger that it's no. It gets, it's almost like you believe that you're not supposed to follow the commandments because you start off in a little way by not following the commandments. It's all a mind thing. It's, it's how we think in our mind. It is. But, all right, let me go to this. Jews have often been called Am HaSefer, which is the people of the book. And the question is, what is the book? Because I mentioned the, is the Bible. What is the Bible? We're going to talk about what the Bible is. And I think most of y'all here know this, but we don't want to assume anything. The question is, what is the Bible? A sofer is a scribe. And I want to read some of this how you sewed book. And this is just talking about some foundation. This is definitely show and tell today. Does anybody remember this book? Anybody use this one? Some of y'all. Great book. Awesome text. I always go back to it. First Fruit Design again. Thank you, First Fruit Design. Um, Torah. Torah does not equal the law. Torah does not equal the law. And I know sometimes we read the scripture, we'll read Torah and we read law, and it will, it will kind of say things about scripture that it doesn't say. Sometimes we think of, and there's certain scriptures that talk about that, and we won't go into that today, at least not right now. The Hebrew word Torah is derived from the root word yara. And the root word yara, the basic idea of the root, the root word yara is to throw 
or to cast with a strong sense of, of control by the subject. The three most frequent uses of this root deal with shooting arrows, sending rain, and teaching. So when we say Torah, it's like I'm aiming at something. It's like I'm aiming at this picture over here, and I'm going to shoot it with a the gun. There's no gun. It's just my finger. Don't be alarmed. But if I'm going to shoot this over here, I'm aiming. If I hit it, I hit the mark. Does that make sense? So that's kind of like Torah. I'm hitting the mark. That's all it is. What if I miss it and I shoot over here? I'm kind of a fool. All right. I'm, shoot, I'm trying to shoot there, but I hit here. That's what sin is. That's hata. Hata means I miss the mark. It's really that simple. We make it more than it really is. And we, the Torah just means teaching. We're trying to hit the mark. What's the mark? The mark is his Torah. It's his teaching. Everything that he says in here. He said that we're to, he said, Zachor et Yom HaShabbat Lekadeshel. He said, remember the day, the Sabbath, to keep it holy. Any questions? There are no questions, right? I think it's very simple. It's to the point. There's no questions. But sometimes we question that. Then the question might be, what does it mean to keep the Sabbath? Well, then I'm okay with that. And that's when we have a lot of rabbinic thought. And that's when, what I'm going to read here in a minute, that's where we get the Talmud from. And that's where we get the Mishnah, because the Jews, they have what's called the Oral Torah. And the Oral Torah, in a sense, it kind of gives you directions on how to follow the Torah. And it's okay. And one tradition that we use around here is the Ashkenazic tradition. There's another tradition, which is Sephardic traditions. We could use, there's so many different traditions, but does that take away from the scripture, the Torah? No. He said, follow the Sabbath, keep it holy. Well, however we do that, that's how we do that. What if somebody's Sephardic and somebody's Ashkenazic and they have different opinions? Does that mean one is better than the other? No, not at all. It just means you follow one tradition. And honestly, the only tradition I know are the traditions that we learn here. And I absolutely love them. And most of the things, I say most, but a lot of ways that we celebrate the Sabbath is from tradition. And it's a beautiful thing to do that. All right, let me keep reading. Torah. The Torah means basically teaching whether it is the wise man instructing his son or God instructing Israel. The wise give insight into all aspects of life so that the young man, young may know how to conduct themselves and to live a long, blessed life. So too, God, motivated by love, reveals to man basic insight into how to live with each other and how to approach God. Through the law, God shows his, in, his interest in all aspects of man's life, which is to be lived under his direction and care. Amen. So again, the Torah is God's instruction about how to live with each other and how to approach God. And something else to note, when we're reading the scripture, sometimes we can, we can extrapolate history from the Torah, but the, the Bible is not a history book. And I think sometimes we can miss that because we'll read and we think it's supposed to be in chronological order, but I don't think that's how, at least that, I don't believe that's how the Torah was meant. I believe it was meant to instruct us on life. It, it's meant to show us how to live. How do I relate to my fellow man? How did God deal with Israel? How did he deal with his people? That's what the Torah is all about. It's not a history book. It's not. But you can get history from the Torah because it is the truth. And I think as we do that, and that's something we're going to talk about, well, maybe not, but something we're going to talk about maybe next week is the history that is extrapolated from the Torah which is beautiful, and it's good to be able to look at the history so you can kind of know where you are in this space and time, which is beautiful. I'm keeping. 
the basic meaning of the root chata, which I already talked about, is to miss, is to miss a mark or way. Um, sin means to miss a mark. Talk about that. And all right, let's talk about the Tanakh. The Tanakh is a, an acronym. Y'all remember what the Tanakh means? It means Torah, Nevi'im, Ketuvim. It's just, it's just a Hebrew word. It just means, it basically means the Torah, the Torah represents the five books of Moses. We're the five books of Moses. We know those. That's going to be Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. This is just language, right? But when we say the Tanakh, we're referring to all of it. We're, talk, we're talking about the Torah. We're talking about the writings. The writings would be like Ecclesiastes, um, the Psalms, Proverbs, and the prophets are going to be all the um, prophets' writings in the, in the scripture. So when we say Tanakh, we're talking about all of it. Another language, uh, the Chumash, refers to, whenever you have a Chumash, this is a Chumash. It's an awesome one. Show and tell again. Beautiful. It's my Chumash. Um, and the Chumash literally means five. That's all it means. And it means it has the actual five books of the Moses in it. And it also has the, the writings as well, some of the Humash. This one does here as well. Um, behind me in our, in our ark, it, there is a Sefer Torah. And a Sefer Torah, and I believe this one is handwritten. I meant to ask Rabbi Rene and Rabbi, I'm pretty sure it is. But the Sefer Torah is a handwritten scroll. Which, and that's why it's so special. It's very special because it's written by a scribe. It's handwritten. And that's a beautiful thing. And there's many Sefer Torahs all over the place. It's almost like we take the Sefer Torah, which is beautiful, and now we have a handheld copy of the Sefer Torah and the Humash, if that makes sense. So we can have it for our own use. So, amen. And I think that's enough. Oh, let's talk about the Talmud and the Mishnah. Uh, the Mishnah the Hebrew word for Mishnah means repetition. The Mishnah is a third century writing version of the oral traditions of the rabbinic community. And the Mishnah, again, they're writings. They're, they're like judgments. They're talking, about, they're, almost, they're talking about different ways that you can keep the Torah. It always goes back to the Torah. But again, the Torah is God's word. That's what we need to understand. The Mishnah, the Talmud. Let me read about the Talmud here. The, Talmud, the Hebrew word for Talmud means study. Uh, the Talmud is a multi-volume discussion of the Mishnah completed in the 5th and 6th centuries. Again, those are all great resources um, to use, but we just need to understand the Torah is, that's the truth. If we follow other traditions that go along with it, I think that's fine, but we need to just understand the truth. Amen? So when we talk about, let me go back to this. All right. To follow you, I am not convinced until I know which way you went. Does that make sense? Yes. I'm not going to follow you into nothingness because I need to make sure I'm thinking about what I'm thinking about. We need to unpack our thinking. and We need to do this on a continual basis. We shouldn't just take things blindly because that's ridiculous. And that's something that I stress because I told you all I teach math. I stress that in class because I could tell you something that's completely wrong. And if you believe me, then you just took my wrong. If I tell you that 2 plus 2 is 7, is anybody okay with that? Why is 2 plus 2 not 7? Because it's just not right, right? It, that's how we need to feel with truth. We need to decipher it. Somebody tells you something that's ridiculous, like we've been talking about hyper grace. 
Uh, we've been talking about other things that some teachers are teaching that's really not the truth. But we need to do like the Bereans did. You remember the Bereans in the New Testament? The Bereans, they studied those things to see if they were thus or so. And they continually studied. And we need to continually go back and revisit, revisit, restudy. And we, we're going to do this how long? For the rest of our lives. We're going to keep, because God is, he's infinite. You're studying a being that's infinite. And you think you're going to understand everything about God? Okay, then you're kind of out there. Okay, we're just not. You're not going to understand everything, but we're going to learn as much as we can. Are we going to get better? I know Rabbi Renee talks about the, the spiral. As we, as we perform the mitzvot and as we keep the feast, it's like we're on a spiral, getting a little closer, a little closer, going up. And that's just how it works. We just walk with him every single day. Amen. As we reflect on our experiences, we construct our un understanding of the world. I read that. Um, I think I told you all the story. I was talking to um, four students. Uh, well, some of y'all wasn't here, but Friday I was talking to four students in school, and it was an opportunity to talk about God, to be honest. I was in school, and the, the school they had, a, it was a pep rally going on. And I had an opportunity to just hang out with four guys, and they were asking me a lot of questions about God. And let me tell you some of the things that came out of our conversation, because I thought it related to this perfectly. Let me read this. The question they had was, when will I ever use this? Why do I have to do, and this one came, you know that was math, but then they went on to this. Why do I have to do anything? I can choose what I want to learn. What do you think? Is that true? I think there's some elements of truth in that. Sure, that's right. But, and this is something that, that I pulled out, at least it kind of helped. And it, I see it resonated with someone. But as a citizen of this country, you have a moral duty to do certain things. Does that make sense? See, we have a moral duty as believers to do certain things. And that's really important. We, we miss, we don't use words like that a lot. But we need to. Because it's okay to have a moral duty to have to do something. It's, it's not you're doing it because it's just, because it's fun, because we're going to give you some candy. You're doing it because you're supposed to do it, because that's just the way it is. And, that's the, and guys, females as well, but guys really resonate with that. When it's almost like if you give a guy, and I do this all the time, if you give a guy a mission to do something, they take ownership of it. It's like, this is mine. I'm going to do it no matter what. I might fight somebody because he told me to go do this mission. It's because they have a duty to do that, to follow it. And I have a quote here. It says, it is, the, it is the duty of all nations to acknowledge the providence of Almighty God, to body his will, to be grateful for his benefits, and to humbly implore his protection and favor. You know who said that? George Washington. That's our first president. He said that. And our country was found off of biblical principles. That's why our country is great. And if anybody ever studied the history of our country, I believe that's why our country is great. There was a law here about our country. It's called the, it was called the Old Deluder, Deluder Satan Act. This is a law. Anybody heard of that? The, it's called the Deluder Satan Act of 1647. I'll read it. It says, which required that towns of a certain size hire a schoolmaster to teach local children. Wow. So that, think about that. The original intent of education was to teach students about God's word. Have we veered away from that a little bit? Just a little bit, you know. But you know what? I believe there's so... They use the Bible as the text 
They used the Bible. Yeah, absolutely. They had what was called, um, I have a little small one. It was called catechisms. And they would, it was a catechism of history, a catechism of mathematics. And it was basically connecting the Bible to all those different subjects. And that was just one way. I just think that's beautiful. But have we veered away from that? Absolutely. But you know what? There are, and, and we got to understand this, don't bash education too much. I am in the system. But we need to think of this. There are a lot of godly believing teachers in the education system. And I believe there are godly people all over the place. But we need, that's why we need to do our due diligence to be those godly people. Don't just be there and no one knows you're a godly person. See, it should be known that you believe God. I remember the first time, okay, love topic, when I heard about this group that, I'm, that I, I'm grateful I get to be over now. It's called FCA. You heard of FCA, Fellowship of Christian Athletes? I never heard of an FCA when I was in high school. FCA was in my high school. I told y'all I was kind of out there. I won't even go there. We'll leave that alone. I should have been at FCA in high school, but I wasn't. But anyway, I never heard of it. I was actually on duty one morning. I was standing in the commons area. Commons area is just a lunchroom. I was standing there, minding my business, looking around, making sure kids aren't doing crazy things like kids do in the morning sometimes. This was my job. And I look over, and I see, and I see kids in a room like this. They were in there having praise and worship. I didn't know what was going on. I was like, I literally did this. I went, I just made a line to that room. I was like, I went in there. I was quiet. I was like, hey. What are y'all doing? What's going on? You know, and they explained to me this was FCA. It's a Christian group. We meet every week. We have Bible study. We do this. I was like, man, this is like the greatest thing on this planet. I was so grateful just to hear about that. And I said, when y'all meet again, I'm, I'll be here to help. You know, so I came to, they had a meeting that wasn't a normal praise and worship meeting. I went to that meeting. And that, that first time I was there, what did the sponsor say? She said, you know what? I said, I'm just here to help. I just want to help. Wherever you need me to help, I'll be there. She said, you know what? I got a new job, and I'm getting ready to leave. I need somebody to take it over. I'm like, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. I said, help. Just want to help. So anyway, that's how I got started with FCA. But you know what? I believe that was a divine setup. And I believe there are divine setups all over the place if we look for them. They're there for us. You might not be looking for it. Like I said, I was, my, I was not thinking about it. I wasn't praying. Literally, I was probably getting ready to go tell somebody, what are you doing? Put those headphones up. Stop. Probably about to get frustrated at somebody, maybe. But the point is, I wasn't looking for it at all, but I believe God showed up, and I was able to connect. And then, then I connect with that group. There's another Christian group. We meet every Friday, another group called First Priority. Every single pr Friday, we meet and have Bible study. These are teenagers that are, that are meeting, studying his word every single week. That's a beautiful thing. It is. And a lot of people don't know about it. That's why I say, let's not completely bash the education system, because there are godly teachers there. There are godly influences there. But there's a lot of negative as well. That's why we need to pray for them, because they, every area of life needs our help. That's why we need believers in the White House. We need believers as commanders in the military. I got stories about a lot of commanders in the military that are strong believers. And I believe if we know that, again, it'll help influence others. Another, um, this one, anybody heard of the Northwest Ordinance? It says, and this is another law that was in our country. It says, in the Northwest Territory, various legal and property rights were enshrined. Religious tolerance was proclaimed, and it was enunciated that since religion, morality, and knowledge being necessary to good government and the happiness of mankind, 
schools and the means of education shall forever be encouraged. This is a law that was in our country on the books. This is how, our, this is how it started. And that's why if we know this, we need to do our due diligence to live up to those words. All right, that was the original intent of our United States. And we should, we should attain to live up to the words. I just did that. I got a quote here. It says, if you think you're beat, you are. If you think you dare not, you won't. If you like to win, but don't think you can, it's almost a sense you won't. If you think you'll lose, then you've lost. For out in the world, you'll find that success begins with the fellow's will. It's all in the state of mind. If you think you're outclassed, you are. You've got to think higher to rise. You've got to think, be sure of yourself before you can win a prize. Think big and the deeds will grow. Think small and you'll fall behind. Think that you can and you will. It's all in the state of mind. Life battles don't always go to the bigger, stronger, faster man. But the fellow who wins is the one who thinks he can. For as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. You've got to be stronger to survive. To strong to survive, you have to be sure of yourself before you can win a prize. This is, his name is Walter Wintle. He's the Walter Wintle. Wintle, W-I-N-T-L-E. And, and I believe this is just telling us we need to be confident going back in who we are. If we're confident in who we are, that's going to just spread to people. It's nothing you got to make up. It's just who you are. That's why we need to be diligent to get in the Word, diligent to study His Scripture. Amen? All right. I love this saying. I just love it because I just, Albert Einstein says, I never teach my pupils. I only provide the condition in which they learn. See, that means that goes back to that constructivist view. I think, again, sometimes I think as if you're a teacher or if you're teaching people, you think that I'm all knowledge and I'm going to share with you all my knowledge. That's a lie. That is a complete lie, especially today where you can learn almost everything from the Internet, YouTube, um, anything you want. You can go on there and figure things out. That's just the way it is. But a lot of times we, we need those guides. I like to think of myself in school. I'm like a guide on the side. That's what I do. I'm just there to go, okay, great idea. Don't do that. That's bad. Try this. Don't do that. Let's do this. And that's why you need teachers, that's why we need rabbis to help us go through the process. And that's as believers, we're all called to do that. Not just the rabbi, not just the whoever's teaching or whoever's doing whatever. We're all, as believers, we're called to help people to unravel their confusion as they go through life. If we see them things, we need to go, oh, hey, I wouldn't do that. What do you think about this? And that's it, they're open to listen, Cause, right? Because sometimes people aren't open to listen. And sometimes we need to maybe pray from the side because you see something going on, and then maybe you'll have an opportunity to share, if that makes sense. And this is my quote. At least I think it's my quote. I said, don't, don't take life so serious, but take it serious. Like, what? Life is immensely complicated, but simplify your world as much as possible. I know, that sounds kind of out there. And my point of saying that is, life is very complicated. It really is, because sometimes we, we try to simplify it because there's so many different, we grew up in whatever area we grew up, but there's ways that we can simplify that, and we need to take it serious enough, but have fun, if that makes sense. I know it was all over the place. That's my brain. That's the way my brain works. But we need to do our due diligence to love on people when we get an opportunity so we can help. Another quote, this one comes from a guy named Jordan Peterson. He said, bear your burdens properly and to live upright in the world. I love that. Let me read it again, twice. Bear your burdens properly 
and to live upright in the world. That's what we need to do. Do we have burdens? Do we have, when he says burdens, I'm talking about those moral duties that we have. Do we have things that we need to take care of? Yes. Let's not act like we don't. We have responsibilities. I'm a father. I, have, I think being a father is one of the greatest institution jobs on this planet. One of them. Because our fathers are so important. Our mothers are just as important. But I believe each one of us who are doing our due diligence and doing our due, our due duty, we're like heroes. You're a hero to somebody. Uh, my daughter gave me, I don't have it, that would be another show and tell. When she was about 12, she gave me a little keychain and said, my father, my hero. That's the greatest thing on this planet. I was just like, great. That was, I'm just, I was done right there. I probably almost passed out at that moment. You know? But you know what? I believe all of us are heroes to somebody. You may say, you know, I don't have any children. So what? There's children around you that are watching. So you have children, even though you might not have any birth children. Somebody's watching you to be their hero. So I think we've run out of time. And next week, we're going to be talking about, during the 10 a.m. service, we're going to talk about some mindsets that come from the Torah. And we'll talk about it then. And let's go to the last. I want to finish with our blessing after the Torah. Bless art thou, Lord our God, King of the universe, who gave us the Torah of truth and set everlasting life in our midst. Bless art thou, O Lord, giver of the Torah. Amen and thank you very much. Yeah, this is better because it's here. Where? Oh, yeah. I didn't see that either. <laughs>